You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. No matter where you are, no matter if we're long, they follow our path. Oh, may your voicemail succeed. May you make all the friends you need. May you find passion in the Discord chat room. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. That's our food lion. (laughs) And we are back with more craig's bro this episode Mm -hmm. uh and craig's bro is back because after lost at sea they they were lost out there for a little while Mm -hmm. (laughs) they but they found their way back they found their way they are back and they have remained back Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm happy for that fact because i'm glad that lost at sea was not the last release we got from our boys yes uh some highs and lows uh last week (laughs) but uh you know not 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 giving away anything but uh i think this 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 uh album discussion will be a little more enjoyable (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm i'm happy uh i'm happy i'm happy that we get we get to do this record and yes. uh some some similar themes that mm-hmm. carry over on this record from their previous records uh and some similar similar themes from lost at sea that i feel like are executed better yeah i'd agree with that so but we'll get there everybody mm-hmm. hold on just, just relax just relax okay god Keep uh, keep Gus on the leash. <laughs> yeah, keep keep Gus on your mind leash. Everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I am cracking open uh, another liquid death. Ooh, uh, because I'm, you know, as as you had mentioned in the previous episode, John, we're doing some interesting recording yeah. scheduling these days. So yes. uh, I still I still have uh, basically this little little behind the scenes. Uh, we're recording two episodes in a week mm. and it's a, it is a crazy week. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of hours doing this, but um, yeah, I, I'm trying to pump the brakes. I did have a hammies today. Nice. A little bit of a, an emotional and stressful day for, for your boy. So I mm. needed to, needed to crack open uh, a beer with my, with my pal, Mickey. Um mm. As I talked talked about some some feelings, so but I'm back on back on that water that water bandwagon. Hell yeah, 
I cracked open a, a grapefruit spindrift earlier, which I'm working on, but I also have a martini here mm. that my wife made and it's doing the trick. So what um what kind of martini are we talking here? Uh extra dirty, perhaps. It's pretty salty. <laughs> I wasn't around when she made it, but I taste a lot of olive juice in there. Okay. So is it a is it a vodka? Is it a gin? You know, he drinks it's a vodka drink. He drinks a whiskey drink. I think it's gin. I think it's, it's gin. a it's a clear it's a clear alcohol. I'm looking at it and it's clear. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's gin. Okay, I'm follow I'm not... me for more cocktail recipes. <laughs> no, follow Jenny Booth Potter for more yeah. cocktail recipes. Ask her. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> she hands me a drink and I say thank you. <laughs> Wise. Uh, I mean that's that's the life, bro. Right? Just you walk into a room and someone hands you a cocktail. It's pretty good. I was actually pouring over my notes for the show before we recorded, and she walked in with a martini, and I'm like, "What a gift!" What's her What's her deal? <laughs> she She's happily married for 12 years. Oh, she, okay, good. Okay, cool, 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 cool. This weekend uh, will be our uh, 12 years. I know, I know, man. That's so exciting. Yay. Um, that's uh, that is that is something worth celebrating. What do you, what do you guys, what do you guys got planned? You know, her folks are taking the kids uh, for the day, which is a real treat. And we're going to go downtown somewhere, do something. We don't know exactly yet. We don't like understand what the idea of having a free day is anymore. So we're kind of (laughs) like, we're talking about maybe going to Chinatown, getting some nice Chinese Mm. food to go, going to the park, hanging out over there. Sounds pretty Uh, good. Any, any shows playing in Millennium Park? Anything like that happening? No, we'll just be there during the day. So okay, nothing like that. But you know, some sort of relaxation times. Uh, speaking of Millennium Park, hmm. my boy John Potter. Yeah, you saw Wilco recently. Yes. If I'm, am I not mistaken? Wilco and Slater Kenny. Did I not talk about this on the pod? I don't remember. Maybe a, I didn't. I don't think we did, bro. Because one of my, I I love Wilco at at uh, Millennium Park. Yeah, that's me too, that's dude. such a fun show, and they play that's forever. Like <laughs> Chicago uh, bingo card or something like that. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I maybe I touched on this briefly, but like it was my first show in twenty months, which was very exciting. Um, Slater Kenny is one of my favorite bands. Wilco, I love a lot, and I'd never seen them. This is actually my first time seeing them. What? Really? Right? I know. Yeah, that's how. That's so surprising to me. It's possible I saw them like years ago at a festival. I think I saw Jeff Tweedy like solo at a record store, like something small like that. But this was my first proper Wilco show, and it did not disappoint. But I mm. think if I mentioned it, what I probably talked about was the fact that it was outside, yes. um, and you had to show a vaccination card to get in. But still, I was one of the very few people masked, and it's hard not to be a little freaked out, surrounded by thousands of people screaming, you know, like, yeah, so I don't think, uh, I don't think it was a super spread event, but yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it left me with feelings of both like, hey, yeah, show and like the whole time I was kind of anxious. So anyway, I, I hear that that's there. There's still some of that existing, you know, obviously, because I didn't go to that that bt bam show and uh, i just got word recently that the um dashboard confessional show that i had tickets to yeah in nashville that 
he's canceling that tour. It would seem. Yeah. Um, and we have tickets to see May and the Juliana theory at the end of the year. And Mm -hmm. they sent out an update about protocol that they're, it's going to be pretty much, you've got to have vaccination. It's like, it's not even like a negative test. test. You you need to be vaccinated. Yep. I just have a feeling that's going to be kind of how everything will be if there are shows. So I'm just crossing my fingers that by December where this will still happen. (laughs) But yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I am jealous that you got to see a show and doing an outside show. Yeah. To me is, uh, I feel a lot better about something being outside. Right. Than a cramped, dark, uh, musty, sweaty <laughs> I know. venue. Agreed. I, as we're recording this tomorrow is pitchfork and you know, I love me some Phoebe Bridgers and she's headlining tomorrow night and I'd been planning to go forever. Um, but I still haven't gotten tickets and it's tomorrow. So I'm like, I guess I'm not going. It just like, it freaks me out too much, man. I don't know. I just like, I'll see her at some point and there's some other bands I want to see, but I'm like, at this point, it just like the anxiety isn't worth it to me. Well, you know, um, you should listen to uh, fellow podcaster, Joe Rogan and his, his, <laughs> his excellent medical advice. Right. I like that. He was like, CNN said that I was taking horse dewormer. I got it from a doctor. Okay, bro. And it's like, I mean, it is used to deworm horses. So I'm not <laughs> sure what your argument is here. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm that seeing, guy I'm turns see- into a horse. <laughs> I'm seeing all these people trying to make the argument that like, well, lots of medications are used for lots of different things. And I've, right. like, it's like, all yes, sure. But also this is not an approved treatment. Right. So like, you know what? There isn't a true approved treatment for of COVID with the, with the vaccines that are already out. <laughs> right. If you're hmm, looking- I could take this thing that's proven to be effective, or I could take some animal deworming drugs and give it a shot. I don't care if it has been used for multiple in multiple things like take the thing that has science behind it already. Mm. Jesus people. It's not that hard. <laughs> if you're willing to take a med, another medicine, then right. you're, you're not opposed to the science, right? There yeah. is science behind this other thing. I Why? just, I can't, I can't <laughs> grasp this. It's so baffling to me. Why go to the doctor ever? Why have any medicine ever? I don't understand. Like, if no. that's your argument, then why is why do you suddenly are you suddenly okay with needing to be like intubated to save your life? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, and I can't we I can't go a day without seeing somebody on their deathbed being like, "Don't make the same mistake I did. Get the vaccine." Right. It's like, all right, guys. Yeah. Let's let's can we go to a show this year? Can everybody just like be an adult? Get the vaccine wear a mask and then we can be done with this joe rogan get the vaccine so we can go see juliana theory okay <laughs> that this is this is what we're saying <laughs> we'll get them on the pod we'll talk about it um, um there was this uh <laughs> this is a random side story but we happened my family happened to find ourselves driving through schaumburg aka the armpit of illinois um <laughs> this weekend Shompton, <laughs> city of Shompton, <laughs> and there's this group of MAGA folks who hang out every single Sunday afternoon on this corner in Schaumburg. And before the election, they had Trump flags. And after the election, they had stop the steal flags. And now they have 
don't vax our kids and unmask our kids flags. And so we're sitting there at this red light and my kids are in the back seat, and my older son is like, why do they say unmask our kids? And I'm like, uh, cause they believe that, you know, we shouldn't have masks on. And he's like, but that's bad. Cause then more people will get COVID. And I'm like, that's true. And he started going boo. <laughs> and <Yes>. his <laughs> booing, like unlocked something in me. And I unrolled the window and I was like, you're the reason our kids are dying. You're the reason our kids are dying. And like, probably that wasn't, that was probably like exactly what they wanted. And my kids were like, did you say that they're the reason that we're dying? <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't mean like you specifically. And maybe I didn't need to shout at those people, but they were like on board. Milo was like, yeah, get out of the street. Um, so anyway, I, this, this, okay, we're just going to transition right into Joy Boys segment. <laughs> okay. Because this, this segment, this story right here, it's this PJ. story is bringing me joy. Happy, happy, joy. The visual of Milo <laughs> booing. <laughs> Elliot was no, booing. Elliot, Elliot yeah, was booing. Milo was Trump, just on board. Elliot booing Trump protesters. You losing it on those. I'm like, oh my God, this just let this. I'm just getting waves of endorphins right now. Just oh man. Wash, washing over yeah, me. Yeah. I had to kind of debrief with them. Like maybe it wasn't the best thing for me to yell at them, but you know, whatever. It, it, it took hold of me. No, but that that's sort of like, you know, there's probably something in your lizard brain that like just clicked <laughs> right. that you're just like, I need to protect my kids. My yes. kids are right here. Yes. But then also there's probably something in, in like a subconscious level that like for me that I like enrages me. It's like that Elliot gets this. Right, exactly. And these grown ass adults. Right. Right. Or he's like, he's like, but people are going to get sick. Like right. why? Yeah. I, I, good point. <laughs> seven year old. Yeah. When I told my friends about the story, they're like, I wonder if they come straight from a church service every week. Like if this is a church group doing this, I'm like, yep, that, yeah, strong odds. Uh, so cool for that group. Oh man. Yeah. That's, anyway, that's a bummer, but like, I don't, like if people want to protest and have like, and, and stand around and do their, like, I'm fine. Do it. I just, uh, this is one of those things where I, I don't know who this is helping. Like, right. who is this? What is this demonstration providing? Uh, like this is, I'm, I'm like, I, I was at Walgreens today picking up a prescription and they were, I, they were, you know, they Walgreens is, you know, you know, giving out vaccines and whatever, and you don't have to wait, you know, you need to, you can just go in and you can get one. And while I was waiting in line, I saw two people go in and get their vaccines. Mm -hmm. And I had two simultaneous thoughts. Um, awesome. Great. I'm so glad you are getting your vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love seeing people getting it. And then I had the other thought that's like, I, I got this, I got mine in my first one in April. Yeah. What has taken yeah. you so long? Right. And like, I, I, like, I understand that that's not the most helpful thing to think, but it's an honest position that I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm glad you're getting it. Of course you should, 
And I'm like, you know, we're in, we're in September now. And, um, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe this is just not, it's not, it's not fair, but, uh, maybe they're uh, getting their booster already somehow. Maybe, maybe they're, I, I don't think they were. This <laughs> we're filling out all this paperwork and stuff. Yeah. Like that. All right. So, well, that may not bring you joy exactly, but are there uh, other things that are giving you happy, happy joy, Jay? Yes. I am very happy because I am going on my first out of state trip mm. since I moved to Minnesota. Yeah. It's been a while. It has been a while (laughs) since I have left the state and I have been itching to get, I I love it here. I do not have any plans to really ever leave Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have been so hunkered down for these last almost two years. Yeah. And I have gone through a lot I've gone through a lot in the last two months. Mm-hmm. I am so ready to be out yeah. on the road. I am going to Denver. Ooh. I am <clears throat> taking my time getting there. I'm leaving on Saturday and driving to, I'm not taking the most direct route, but um, I'm meeting somebody in stopping in Kansas city and then I'm driving from Kansas City to Denver the next day. Um, and then I'm going to be staying with uh, people that I have met and become friends with because of this community mm-hmm. and this five iron community. And uh, I mean, it's obviously it's larger than a five iron community, but that's kind of how a lot of right. the people that I'm going to be seeing are because of the five iron folks and the I hate five iron group. And yep. um gonna be i have plans to see our boy uh shadow producer jason hell yeah um so that's you know among other denver folks that Mm. i'm thrilled to be seeing (laughs) wink 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 wink. um you're gonna be walking a mile high it's gonna be great um and you're gonna come back with lots of remote segments that we're gonna include in the pod that is that is (laughs) definitely definitely the plan um I, you know, mile high indeed. Am I right? Mm. Um, cause, uh, cause, uh, weed. Also that. I'm going to be a mile high, bro. Yeah, hi, bro. And so, yes, Denver, not exactly mountainous, but it doesn't take too long to drive and hit up, uh, some of the more mountainous areas. Uh, I'm, I'm just so, I'm just so excited. Yeah, man. (laughs) I'm psyched for you. And also this is going to be a weird thing because, um, I, my, my travels are going to be taking me through Kansas Mm. and I haven't been back to Kansas in over two decades. Wow. And, um, my travels will take me through Salina, Kansas, All right. which is where, some of my childhood was where my dad was head pastor of the church that, um, that I went to where I learned about sin and that <laughs> fucked me up <laughs> and- for more on sin. Uh, <laughs> listen to our next segment. <laughs> yeah. For more on sin, uh, Jay's theology corner later. 
Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really interested to go check out uh, Metal Arc Elementary School where I was uh, went to. I think it was second second through fourth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, you know maybe my see my my I wonder I wonder what First Covenant Church in Salina, Kansas looks like now. I know maybe I can go I can go to that, get my banana split finally, bro. There you go. Full, Perfect. Go full circle. Get that banana split. <laughs> Man, you got do it for the pod. Do it for the gram. Do it for the pod. Yep. <laughs> banana so. split it up. <laughs> um, well, your trip brings me joy. I, I hope it's everything you dream of and more. Uh, you'll have to send me polos along the way. Oh, for sure. Bro. Um, and I and this is our our promise, our magpod promise that John and I are going to take a magpod trip somewhere together to do something on location this yes. is it just needs to happen because it will happen our our michael w smith show that we went to <laughs> and the and then the like the punktoberfest and like all that stuff that we and then like the the chicago five iron mxpx show like yeah. all this stuff was like so amazing i have such amazing memories of that and i'm like i can't wait Totally. So we can do that stuff again. Moving across states and the global pandemic has has hampered that <laughs> for recent uh, months and years, yeah. <laughs> but we will we will make this happen again. Yes. Um. All right. Couple things bringing me some joy. Right. Uh. First, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You saw it? Ever heard of him? <laughs> uh. Yes, I saw it. It was so good, man. Uh. I was pumped for it and i guess i'm just you know it's not like a hot take to uh to say that a new marvel movie was good (laughs) but (laughs) this in my opinion is definitely top tier marvel it was like easily some of the best action scenes fight scenes in the mcu it's very funny uh i found the way that the story represents uh asian characters uh to be like moving in a way i maybe like didn't necessarily expect, you know, from my own experience, but I was very hyped to see it. I think they do it in a really respectful way. And it's just cool to see a movie where yeah. like 97% of the characters are Asian and they're, yeah. it's a very like respectful story with all different kinds of characters. And it just left me extremely hyped. Uh, I left the theater pumping my fist. So Shang-Chi highly recommend. I just, so I, 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 I do want to ask because uh, we we've talked about films on this mm. podcast. Yes. And I'm curious about your, and maybe this is a separate conversation, but I feel like since we're talking about uh, this movie, uh, where you land with martial arts movies and, um, and how many martial arts movies you have seen, or if you're uh, well-versed in them and how you felt like the, I heard I've heard good things about the fight choreography. Totally. It's unlike anything Marvel's done. And I think they pull it off in a really effective way. I'm not an expert. I love martial arts movies. You know, I don't know that I've seen like a ton that aren't the more obvious ones. Yeah. Um, but I do uh I do love them. And I think the the movie is a really satisfying uh combination of like a bunch of different kinds of martial arts uh fighting in movies i feel like they're different sort of like homages um to different things where you know there's this elaborate fight on the bus that like 
you might have seen in the trailers and stuff. Right, right. Um, there are these really cool, like flying through the trees, kind of crouching tiger style. Uh, you know, what was it? Wuxia. I think it's uh, the style of martial arts, Wuxia movies. Um, they do that. They're fighting magical beasts. So it's like a bunch of different kinds, but it's like, A, it's like a lot of these Marvel movies have as a big third act set piece like fighting some cgi goop in the sky and like (laughs) i think it manages to do a version of that in a way that's like actually really emotionally satisfying so you care about the characters in the fights and also just like the style uh of the fights is really cool but i'm not an expert i don't know i worked at a movie theater in high school and they had uh like uh hong kong friday uh midnight Mm -hmm. showings um so i saw a fair amount of stuff like as a teenager then that definitely like broaden my palette and that's where i got to know like john woo movies and stuff like that yeah. um so anyway i am a big fan but i'm not a huge expert but uh the the homage to that those kinds of movies are, are definitely in there and i think they're in a really done in a really cool way um this was my fourth time back at the movies uh and getting perhaps dicier with each trip i understand if maybe everybody doesn't want to go right now but I love the movies so much and I've missed them so much. This is my sort of like one of my riskier endeavors these days, I guess, is I just like, I go and I put my mask on and I hang out and it feels glorious and I sit far away from people and hopefully it's all fine. Yeah. Um, but this is the first, I mean, this is the first uh, movie where, so this wasn't released like simultaneously on demand. It was just in the theaters and I was like, I'm going. So um I can understand if people don't want to do that, but if your comfort is in checking it out, I would, I would recommend going. Um, one more bit of movie related joyfulness. These are both movies. These are more popcorn movies. Maybe they're both films. <laughs> I love them both, but uh, we talked a little bit of matrix a few episodes ago. You are skeptical, perhaps rightly so <clears throat> of the matrix resurrections coming december um but as we're recording this both of these things will be like old news by the time this episode actually releases but whatever but as we're recording this the trailer dropped today and i will just say i have lots of questions about it uh but i trust lana wachowski uh i'm psyched for it uh, did you watch this i have not watched the trailer bro you know you know how i typically <laughs> no spoilies you, you know how i typically do with 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 trailers yeah, if it's, it's probably smart if it's something that I know I, I definitely want to see, I don't usually watch uh, trailers. And I I almost did a couple times today, just out uh-huh. of curiosity. But uh, I don't know. I think there's I think there's going to come a point where I it'll be almost unavoidable. Yeah. But. I'll, not yeah. not not having seen gone to a movie theater in so long seeing because they inundate you with trailers it's true like tw- so, it was 25 minutes last night when i went with trailers are you serious yeah i was like oh it's usually God. about 15 to 20 but i feel like now it's just 25 um yeah let's I, it left me hyped if um somewhat concerned <laughs> but like i won't give anything away i'll just say there is like a sort of primary rumor about what's going on in this movie and in this trailer that you can probably find relatively easily online if you don't know what i'm talking about but i would just say that that rumor you know when we talk about like a matrix four like 20 years later after two and three were you know mixed results at best 
it's like it better have something a reason you know a good reason to do it and i'm not sure that like if this rumor is true that it's like a great idea necessarily but i think it's really interesting and i think something really interesting is what you need if you're gonna do a sequel so anyway that's all i'll say psyched for the matrix uh if you do come in december and we go to the show maybe we can go to the matrix too <laughs> part of it i feel like i um saw something maybe this is that there's something has something to do with uh taking the blue pill mm, there's definitely lots of blue pill in it okay um maybe this is this is all i think i was seeing in the um yeah the thing i'm alluding to is like a specific like here's what we think is happening in this story so i don't want to say anything else because okay. i don't want right. you to have those spoilies okay fair enough anyway happy happy joy 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 happy happy joy 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 you know what else brings me joy what's that voicemails from our listeners oh yeah we got them we uh we got we again this is a short week of recording episodes so we're not getting too many but we got yeah. uh we got a bo- our boy brian who has some craig's bro thoughts yeah hi this is uh brian from california i called you guys uh, a handful of times it's been a while though been a while. Uh, <laughs> i'm loving that you guys are covering craig's brother i loved craig's brother back in the day um probably discovered them around 96 i'm guessing um being from they were a somewhat local band they played around uh where i grew up and you know my little shitty band um would play with them a couple times cool. but we were playing three core power core punk rock songs and then they showed up just playing like super complex super <laughs> yeah. interesting super fast I just remember staring at them playing, just being dumbfounded by how fast they were. And their little demo tape that they would sell at the concerts was like on my in my stereo deck like all the time. I fucking loved them. Um, so anyway, yeah. And um, also, you guys mentioned the seven ball comp. That brought me back to. I think I still have two of my seven ball comps in my CD collection. Love that. Um, love that. Um, the other things like that, um, there's another local band, the Christian band. I don't know if you guys have heard of Silage. I don't think I've ever really heard you guys bring them up. They were on Sublime Records with Christian label. Um, they were also a local band. They were actually from the town that I grew and went to high school in called Grass Valley. Um, and they were the kind of reason that my band played with these other bands because Silage is really nice to us. But Silage, actually back in the early days, they were like a punk rock ska band almost. So they, Damien, the, one of the singers would play his trumpet, um, Anyway, they did not become that. Once they became more popular, famous, moved to Nashville, they were like a pop rock band sort of thing. Um, anyway, loved, loved, loved Craig's Brother. Loved how complicated and interesting their songs were. Um, I was a little disappointed when Tooth and Nail picked them up because some of the songs I already knew from their demo stuff, from seeing them. It didn't seem like it was new music, um, but obviously it was produced significantly rather better. Um, anyway, that's a lot for us. Life. <laughs> Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, I uh, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I can't imagine the you know s- playing your like three chord songs and then <laughs> having them come on and just be like shredding in your face. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. I guess we're uh, I guess we're terrible, but you know, whatever. They were doing interesting things. 
They were doing um, silage thoughts, Andrew. I don't know silage um, at all, but am I am I uh, am I seeing this correctly, John? That uh, Chuck Cummings was mm. the member of the band, and he's the isn't he the guy that uh, put out that value pack record? Oh, yeah, that could be. Yes, you're correct. The founder of Four Door Entertainment. I assume yeah. it's the same guy. Presumably, yeah. Yes, the producer of uh, Incognito. So Incognito is uh, in silage. Huh. If you needed to do um, you know, six degrees of separation, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've seen the name silage, but I don't think I've ever heard them. So interesting. Um, but uh, that is rad, Brian, that your band opened for them. That's a... Uh, yeah, I remember having a similar feeling when I obviously my band I didn't have a band to open for anybody, but um, when I saw Hangnail play, because mm. just that also the just shreddy technical guitar work and just like when you're a 14 year old kid, you're just like what? Totally. Holy shit! Now the closest I get to that is John Warren recently telling me, I don't know why you weren't opening for Ace when our bands were playing at the same time back in the day, which made like 14 year old me pee my pants. So <laughs> I wish that would have happened. Yeah, uh, you could have you could have played your uh, <laughs> rip off of their song, <laughs> rip off of their song, and then Craig's brother could have played uh, my Annie. <laughs> Everybody just plays all their girl songs at the same time. Be quite a night. Uh. What do we got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was a good ending. Uh, I don't know exactly what... That was uh, the Phantom Cackler, for those yes. of you who are maybe new to Craig's brother. Um, speaking of uh, things that bring us joy I mean yes. he just always knows when to bring me some joy he's doing this bit lately with some like foley action yeah there's <laughs> he's got, of, a lot of he's got a lot of audio sound components effects. yeah last time he kind of like was opening doors I'm not sure what was happening here <laughs> made me feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> I mean it sounded like he was uh like either splashing water or crinkling paper yeah one of those things <laughs> You know, <laughs> give him props for uh, working in some different sonic textures into his yeah. messages to us. Uh, he he's an artist, is what he is. That's true. Uh, may we all may we all be more like the cackler <laughs> in our day to day life, living in the shadows and <laughs> crinkling, cre- creating, and creating beautiful soundscapes. <laughs> And oh man, and a, a mystery persona. Uh, blessings to you, Cackler. <laughs> uh, speed on that note. Should we uh take a break and come back? And I think we should, yeah, we'll take a break and we'll shed a little bit of truth on mm. this insidious lie. Ooh. 
I'm Avery Smith, and I'm here to invite you to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Whatever your own relationship to gender and spirituality may be, you will find yourself enriched by the stories shared by my guests, who so far have ranged in religion from Christian and pagan to Jewish, Sikh, atheist, and beyond, and have hailed from the US, Chile, Poland, Australia, and more. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts, or read along with episode transcripts by visiting blessedarethebinarybreakers.com. See you there. We're back. And uh, there's no mistake in it, John. I didn't make any mistakes here. That's true. <laughs> but this is a good record. It's true. If I were to say it was a bad record, that would be an insidious lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be like, are you drunk? Are you some sort of party girl? Is this... Uh... I mean, you have the freedom... <laughs> To have any opinion you want, John. But look, I made the mistake of caring about this record. Okay, <laughs> don't give me that thousand yard stare. Um, All right, we'll get some closure <laughs> on this before the end of the episode. Um, I, you know, we're falling. We've fallen a little bit behind here, so um, we'll get to the problem of evil with J.P. Yeah, and Charlie. The ironic blessing. <laughs> Is this uh, just throw that in there? Um, was this something that you picked up when it came out? No, 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 I was not okay. even. This is this is a uh, a brand new record for me. Yeah, these are all brand new records for me, uh, and I gotta say, I like this album quite a bit. Um, yeah, it sounds great. Sounds really good. Uh, it's it's. I feel like I, I back to the this. basics, baby. <laughs> That's right. I I referenced this last episode, but I feel like this is kind of in between the first two records in terms of production sort of like it's not as sort of raw as homecoming it's not as like over the top produced as last sea i do think there's kind of a a poppier sheen to some of the songs that i don't think they need occasionally but overall it sounds great uh this was released January 24th, 2011 on Takeover Records, uh, which was founded by Yellow Card guitarist Ben Harper, Yellow Card and Craig's brother, uh, sibling band sort of. Um, they also self-released it online um, and then it was later reissued by Indivision Music. Um, but the lineup for this record was Ted, Scott and Heath, uh, this time with Glade on guitar and background vocals. Uh, there are features throughout of Andy Snyder and Stephen Newfeld on guitar and background vocals and Adam Knight on background vocals. Um, it was produced by Kyle Black. Uh, this was one of the first things he produced. Um, yeah, he went on to he do, a bunch, to do a bunch. Yeah, he before before he did Craig's brother, he was like mostly like doing sort of like hardcore and post-hardcore bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he went and, on to do like a comeback kid, a chunk, no captain chunk. We've talked about it a few times, <laughs> strung out all time low. Newfound glory. Yeah. Pretty big mix. Yeah. Um, but I think it sounds great. Um, and it was uh, engineered by Andy Snyder, which is interesting. 
Um, some of it was recorded at the Compound in Santa Cruz, some at DK2 Studios, which I believe is the Andy Snyder portion. It was mixed at the Tree Fort in LA. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. They recorded a first album that was Dearly Beloved. They released a follow-up that sat on a shelf for a while and had a mixed response at best. And then, you know, however much 10 years later, put out a record that I don't really, I haven't really heard a lot about what people think about it, but I have to assume that old school fans were happy. I would assume that was the case. Right. Uh, I also want to quickly say that we, we can't, we can't uh, leave out Ted as a co-producer. Oh yeah, that's right. Not to mention that on this record. So yeah, we had called out that the, the band hadn't produced any of the first two records. So I feel like it probably makes a difference that he was working on a production level here. Yeah. Thematically, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on here today. Obviously, we will dive in on a theological lens later in depth. Um, but I think this album sort of warrants that discussion. Um, spirituality has always been something that they've touched on in interesting ways, as we've talked about. But uh, I found this interview that, he, that Ted gave with uh, Indivision Music around the time of the release. Uh, and he said it deals more directly with issues of spirituality than any of their other records. Um, and I would say the lyrics generally may be a little bit less poetic overall than the last couple of records. Um, it's a little tricky with this one. There's no songwriting credits on this one that I could find at least uh, as there were sort of song by song with the first two. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I did want to read this quote from that Indivision Music interview that Ted gave uh, to give some context, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, he said, the central message of Craig's brother for Christians has been that we have failed to use Christian music as the mission field we want to claim it is. That is, it's a, di- it's a different audience that attends a Christian punk show than the one that attends a secular show. This is not the case everywhere, but mostly that's what I have observed. The reason for this is not because the world has rejected the church, but vice versa. The church does not want to participate in the culture of the world. Rock and roll and especially punk is dangerous. There's sex and drugs and violence and Christians mostly just plain are mostly just plain af- afraid of that stuff. So instead of teaching our youth who would be punks to go out into the world and represent Christ by being different, we have a much safer version within the confines of what we can control. We have brought the punk into church while leaving the punkers out. I think that's a shame. Of course, participating in the culture of the world means writing music that non-Christians would want to listen to. And that means you can't write songs that speak in Christianese and church lingo. Though I have to admit, I break my own rule by mentioning the fall twice on this new album. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was a really interesting observation and sort of affirms a lot of what we've talked about, about their sort of like unique place within the scene. Yeah, you can't pigeonhole these guys no you know they can they can have songs <laughs> literally called fallen the problem of evil and the ironic blessing peace <laughs> on earth and and also songs that are questioning are questioning the church questioning the government's role in war and yeah. uh and also talking about like essentially an unhealthy lifestyle that comes with being in a band and yeah you know partying and drinking and and smoking and it's like they've got it all this craig's brother has has everything everything. yes (laughs) they have that that thing where they go to klamath falls they have (laughs) that thing where you talk about complicated philosophical arguments like the problem of evil yes um 
Yeah, but I'm I think even even on Lost at Sea, we still found some stuff to chew on. Yeah. Uh and and this is why I'm I'm hoping that with with uh, this new Craig's brother that's going to be coming out in you know in future months whenever it whenever mm-hmm. it drops, I I fully anticipate Ted to be back on back on the same bullshit. Just be back on this the same kind of uh because nothing has changed in right. these last 10 say. years. Yeah, it's if worse. anything, over the last <laughs> several years, I would think there'd be more fodder for him to sort yeah. of dive into and comment on yeah um yeah they for sure would have been a band for me as a kid that would have if i had been listening to them more uh been in that pantheon of like christian bands that were questioning authority of all kinds uh which i, I would have clomped onto. i really appreciate that about them yeah uh should we get into it absolutely let's get into the insidious lie first track Freedom. This is my number two. My number two as well. I so this is the antithesis of every song on Lost at Sea. <laughs> it literally explodes yes, from immediately. second one. <laughs> I love it. There is no question about it yeah. with what like you're gonna get with with this record. There's no there's no you know, uh, giant orchestral arrangements in this song. No, no yeah. children's choir. No, there's it's no just, sounds of the sea or machine no, guns or no, helicopters. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a just shreddy song. Yeah. Just over two minutes and just explodes out the gate. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm here for Completely it. Completely so here for it. I think exactly the same thing. When I started listening to the insidious lie, post last at sea to just kind of check out where they went next from second one of that one i was like oh this album is more on <laughs> my wavelength like just yeah immediate high energy opener doing everything they do perfectly in the first couple seconds of harmonies and just like you know those fast palm muted guitar riffs uh the drum fills crush so <laughs> hard on the song oh my yeah. god um and yeah that it kind of reminds me of no effects immediately that like those harmonies and just kind of explosion right away, you know, AKA older school Craig's brother sounding like no effects. Um, I don't know. It just, it, it immediately rules. And then that kind of like minor chord progression it goes into in the bridge, I think just adds to it. It's just a fun energy and like a great way to kick off a record. Uh, very into it. Yeah. And from what I can tell, this is, um, you know, it's dedicated to the memory of mm. of 
somebody who I'm, I'm maybe it's a grand a grandmother. Okay. Um, I can't. I you know I I don't know exactly, um, any other, uh, other details about that, but, um, you know, so like this idea that just seems like the lyrics are kind of talking about not being held down by their the their body anymore right. and like whatever suffering yeah no i think it's definitely about death uh so that makes sense that actually gives it more context that 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 works for me even better it's funny because before i really listened closely starting out this album with freedom over and over what immediately struck me is like are they saying that they have the freedom now as a band sort of like freedom from the oh, label interesting, or interesting. like a new iteration of the band or maybe even freedom after a relationship, you know, in keeping with the themes of the last record, which was so heavily about like the end of a relationship. Uh, but I don't think it's any of those things. I think it is freedom from this mortal coil. Um, but it is interesting to like, how is Craig's brother going to kick off this new era by immediately shouting freedom, <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, there. Um, I mean, maybe there are multiple, yeah, re, uh, meanings behind this, but uh, it seems mostly to be about, yeah, um, almost like writing from the perspective of this person, and maybe this was something that they were, uh, they were sharing before they, before they passed on, because it it is sort of in it's in first person. Right. I'm ready for this. I know I'll be missed. So, um, yeah. 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 I, I like it as the idea of like, um, a death that's coming in a way that can sort of like affirm that experience or be, um, a death, like on, on the person's terms, like sort of yeah. feeling positive yeah. about it. So anyway, yeah. Like it a lot. Like it. Uh, the mistake of caring. So I tried to give you a helping hand, but somehow you wound up taking more than There's, I really like this one. Yeah, there's so much good going on, and it's a, uh, I it evades my top three. Yeah. Um, even though there's a lot to like, the melodies in the song are great. It's so easy to sing along with. Um, yeah. The bass is great. It's yeah. all great. It's all great. Uh, it's also, you know, again, it's another darker song about. Yeah. Um, one might assume some sort of a toxic friendship uh, yes. of some kind. 
yeah it seems to be about sort of opening your heart to someone and having them take, take advantage. advantage of you yeah um this is one of those like pretty direct lyrically uh yeah. which nothing's wrong there but certainly a sort of change of pace after some of lost at sea um i don't know yeah i i I like it a lot. Really fun opening riff. The like do 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 that I was just singing uh, that yeah. goes on throughout the verses is great. A fun energy. This is one that maybe there's like a, a little bit too much sheen on it for me. Like I wish it was a little rougher maybe. Um, yeah. But I still like it a lot. Yeah. They, there's there's a, a something that they, I'll, I'll say that this album for all its sheen that they, that they put on it or some of the effects, they are, far more restrained yes absolutely. they they are uh i think ted being more involved with the process yeah. and 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 uh and them getting somebody who clearly knows how to capture their sound yes that, that makes a difference but even still like doing that sort of opening kind of building yeah yeah that sort yeah. of symbol yeah it's very satisfying yeah it's nice it's it's but it's not it's not too much right yeah i agree i think it was in this interview that i referenced earlier too where he said basically what we've been saying about last let's see which he's like at the time i thought it was like the greatest thing we'd ever done and he's like it's amazing how much your tastes change in 10 years or whatever something like that yeah um i do think it was sort of a victim of that moment in production thinking all this stuff sounded great and then looking back and it feeling dated um but anyway i think this this was 10 years ago now and, and very much holds up so yeah um anything else you have um about, about mm. the song nope all right uh thousand yard stare my number one cool right on uh i there's so much nuance yeah. to this song there's a lot of compassion yes. in this song um this is i think it could easily be picked picked apart and being like oh this is like a glorifying the troops kind of song this is a 
Mm. You know, let's let's support our our boys and you know, boys overseas. But like, from what I found, he wrote this song after a um. There was a service member who died by suicide, mm. um, and uh, and like this this song just says to me, it's like we have these people who are signing up to go fight this war that you know he talks about like he uh talks about war profiteering he calls it an arbitrary war like yes. what it, what are we doing and then these people come back and we don't give a shit and they're dying yeah and and so it's like this compassion it's like it's like a, it's two things it's these are people and a lot of uh these people are coming back with no support and i mean like for what what war what why what right. is this for yeah it, it doesn't surprise me this is your number one in terms of the thematic stuff because i feel like this is you know very much in the sort of protest war song tradition uh that i know we both love this was around the time too of the drawdown of the iraq war so that makes sense that this was like on his mind but yeah very clearly about soldiers suffering from PTSD. I didn't know that specific anecdote about the soldier, but that, that all tracks. I mean, he's, he goes hard. He says, yeah. if I could speak for those who speak no more, I couldn't tell you what they gave their lives for. Was it freedom, democracy? Was it misguided policy? Lashing out in blind, irrational fear till we can't see our enemies from the innocent casualties and the crosshairs of a war profiteer. Damn, that's fire right there. <laughs> it, is, it is straight fire. That was good punk. <laughs> content <laughs> um yeah i really like it a lot it's not in my top three but it's up there for me you know apart from um the, the moving thematics of it i really like just the energy of it yeah i like the chord progression there's a stacked vocal parts that come in later yeah. on top of each other that they pull off like perfectly um yeah I, there's this is another one with like there are moments of kind of too much pop sheen for me well you know this is what i was i was alluding to this is a better version of glory because they yeah. like try and bring in. Yeah. There's a, there's a like sort of that military snare. Right. Da, that, da, 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 da. Yeah. The pain and the despair a baseline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That build up. Oh, it's so good fucking rules it's dude. such a good payoff like that's the great. Into, into the gang vocals it's yes. fucking awesome man. yeah him doing that melody with the like the gang vocals in the background is just and those drums uh the drums yep. yeah that rules the song is great yeah yep. that's why maybe i fucked up again <laughs> <laughs> you just we need to we need to go i don't know maybe we start going over our give uh give our arguments for our top threes beforehand <laughs> eh, I, pre- I feel pretty confident about my top three but this song okay. is great okay okay all right. Uh, and then this is the biggest shift in tone <laughs> yeah. in, uh, for this record, for these first yes. three songs. But just like the big one of the biggest shifts in tone that they've that of any song that they've had thus far. I mean, before we start the song, okay. I just want to say calling out sequencing. Yeah, we, we got into not 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 great for us on the last record. This perfect immediate just like setting off the dynamite yeah. mistake of carrying a great kind of keeping it up there thousand yard stairs are saying doing really interesting stuff yeah um 
And if you're going to have a kind of like sillier song as this one is, you, you go like number four. It, yeah. it, it all makes sense for me. It just flows much better this time. You don't you don't start off chill, move right. into chill, <laughs> chill. Yeah. into chill. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. they're like they're like, what, what if this what if with this record? We explode immediately, <laughs> yes. and then we don't stop for like yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, no, I, I I love the sequencing here. Yeah, all right, uh, Klamath Falls. I'm all out of money, and I feel like a fool, kicking myself because I wish I never dropped out of school. Signed up with the band. Just a bunch of drugs I can't stand This is my number three. Okay. I love this song. Tell me why. I, I think this song is this is this is when a band uh who on a previous record took themselves way too seriously. Yeah, yeah. And over the next 10 years uh grew up, probably took themselves less seriously looked back on their life and we're just like fuck did i should should i have done this like should <laughs> right. i have like but this is this is a a sort of little bit of almost like a retrospective in a way but also yeah. it is a it's a sort of a band tour song which almost every we've talked about how almost every band has a a yeah. song about being on the road right um it also, again, is in the sort of cowpunk vicinity. Yeah, that's true. Which I immediately, I start thinking about um, Tumble Down and yeah. how much I, and I think about like, because they're, they're <laughs> the next line is, all I get is angry letters breaking my balls. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, man, we spent three weeks waiting in Klamath Falls as motel guests swimming in midges and old milwaukee's best (laughs) you know i'm like that's such a great verse that's such a great it's like you know he's doing the best he can and the angry letters could be like probably about you know the the lyrics and their their content and and he's like i'm out here in some motel (laughs) like 
and you guys are you know, like, so I don't know. I think this is, but then he's like, he ends it with like, these are my friends, man. This is, yeah. you know, we're drinking or smoking. We're having, we're, you know, they're busting my balls and, you know, we're uh, getting people are shitting on us, but you know what? These are my friends and this is, this is great. So it sort of starts off as like a, uh, but you yeah. know what? This is my life. These are, right. this is, this is my life and this is our food line. <laughs> this is, this is our food line in life. Um, yeah. I, it's certainly like, it's like funny and maybe that it just strikes me as like a little goofy at times or something. But the, the mentioning the sort of cow punk thing sort of recontextualizes a bit for me because it sort of had like a sort of bar rock vibe to me that I don't know if I fully got on board with. It's a little too like bouncy for me, but thinking about it that way makes more sense. I mean, yeah, some of this, I know he's like, sort of you know this is tongue-in-cheek but he's like he calls his bandmates just a bunch of drunks i can't stand <laughs> it's just like oh and i thought at first like maybe it's just a general sort of story about touring life you know and not specifically about his experience but then he literally says the band members names <laughs> right after that um but when he's like I can't run from the feeling that everyone's taking advantage bent over and squealing. The world takes a ride on my swollen backside and this busload of morons is more than my small mind can manage. It's just like, Oh man, this is angry and bitter, but I, I think he's, he's doing it all, you know, as you're saying with the sort of tongue in cheek uh, attitude about it, but yeah, certainly one for the like de-glamorizing the rock star touring life, uh, canon with this one um i'm glad you appreciate it it's not it's not one that's like at the top of my list but i i do appreciate the things that you're mentioning about it yeah you know i i can appreciate that we have um at least one song on our top three we sh- that we share but i think this is three albums in a row that we've only had one one out of each one shared one among our top threes for both of them. that's it interesting I I also thinking drinking and smoking and getting the spins, shaking and puking like (laughs) there, this is not something that would have passed the family Christian bookstore test. (laughs) They would have been like third time. They're off the shelves again. I don't know. I just, I think it's, I just think it's fun. And I would, uh, I'd hang out with, I'd hang out with Ted and drink some old Milwaukee's best. Yeah, man. That sounds great. I think it'd be a great time. He's got some great stories. Oh, no doubt. Um, Now, title track, Mm. The Insidious Lie.
This is my number one. Okay. The more hardcore song with the shreddy bass line. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man, there's a that nice fast opening. I'm already on board, but I cannot resist as soon as those awesome melee metal guitar parts come in. <laughs> the that rules so hard. Yeah, the song just shreds. Yeah, as you mentioned, the bass line, some nice little yelly parts as we heard yeah. before the chorus right there. It's just on my my wavelength. This is this is what I want. I want some screaming. I want some bassin. Uh, I want some metal <laughs> guitars. Slapping the bass. Some slapping the bass big time. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the song rules. Um, and I do think there's definitely a more kind of poetic approach here, as opposed to maybe some of the more direct songs on the record. But I'm so on board with the message too. You know, he's said that he's talking about dishonesty in the music industry which is there but also broadly a condemnation of consumerism um i love the line oh but i know it's a lie must we persist in believing that we can buy joy or are we all swine are we defined by our girth (laughs) and our appetites can we be anything more than consumers yeah Ooh, yeah put that put that in my veins bro hell yeah that's (laughs) this is that that punk protest music uh like thousand yard stair taps into yeah um yeah i mean i'm gonna read more lyrics just because they're so great (laughs) i hope you wouldn't patronize those who would appropriate your mind but you've been prone to swallow lies ignorantly still believing that somebody out there holds that missing part of you knows that knows what's in your heart you've always truly thirsted for it's packaged at a price you can afford and ready to deliver to your door it's just like it's pretty good condemnation of where we're at and again this was 10 years ago so if you're talking about ready to deliver to your door, I mean, things have only gotten uh, so much more in that direction since then. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Just, just Jeff yeah. Bezos with his uh, dick drones probably flying at you. Yeah. I don't think, I'm guessing Ted's not a fan of, of <laughs> buddy Jeff. Um, and, and Jeff's girth, if you will. <laughs> that's right. Flying your, your girth rockets into the, <laughs> into the moon. Um, yeah. I just, I, I just, this song goes so hard. I'm, I'm, I'm very much here for it. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, I, I like a lot about it. Um, this obviously was a record that I think upon even more listens, I think a lot of the songs will uh, become more familiar because this would be this is a record with songs on it that I will definitely revisit. Absolutely. Um, so you know that's not always the case for a lot of for all of the bands we listen to where we're like, Oh, we're, we'll definitely revisit this album. Right. Sometimes right. it's like we recorded this episode and this will probably be the last time I listen <laughs> right. to this record, but yeah, no, this is, this is going in the rotation. This is a good one. This is a good one. And uh, with plenty of songs, I hope to see someday live. Yes. Uh, maybe not this one. <laughs> <laughs> Party girl. There's something broken. <laughs>
I cannot put my finger on what melody this is because it sounds so familiar. It does sound familiar. Like, I feel like it's some famous kind of pop rock song, some big song. Yeah. That's definitely something. Yeah. Let us know, listeners. Yeah, there's something that I can't put my finger on. <laughs> I'm gonna think about it before the end of before the end of the. Yeah. Episode. Okay. Well, you think about it while I say "Party Girl." <laughs> like, just it's called "Party Girl." Its lyrics are pretty on the nose. Yeah. And it starts out "Party Girl." It's just like everything about it. I'm just kind of like, eh, it's fine, but like, yeah. yeah. Not sure about these lyrics, which you mentioned last week. Um, I don't know. Back to just being very direct. Not a lot, not a lot of poeticism here. Take the chance. We don't need drugs to make romance. Let's explore something more than just our pants. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay. Uh, it just feels like weirdly judgier than their usual stuff. Um, even sort of their morality tales. This is just very much like, hey, party girl, why don't you stop? sleeping around and doing the drugs and get things together i don't know it kind of yeah, just like eh. with it also combined with what we j- literally just listened to in <laughs> klamath falls right you know where they're just like yeah th- they're partying right yeah right. what about party boy huh what about party boy what about the old milwaukee and, and right. smoking and getting the spins bro yeah i don't know this one feels weird uh, yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't feel with uh it doesn't fit the uh, whole vibe of the record. It, it feels no, out of place. I agree. There's there's a cool solo in there, um, but uh, but that's that's kind of the most I can say for it. Party girl, there's something broken in your world. I feel like it's some like '80s song. Ugh. You know, you know what I think it is. I think I figured it out. Hit me. I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl. Uh, there we go. Yeah. The morning after. We broke up a month ago and I grew up. I didn't know I'd be around the morning after. Yeah. I, it, I like it. To me, I was like, is this, it, it, that was my first, my first thought. I was like, is this Elliot Smith? But I couldn't. Party girl, there's something <laughs> Elliot Smith would be so crushed to hear that comparison. <laughs> I love me some Elliot. It could be that in my brain, but I feel like I was thinking of some, some big 80s song. I don't know. I think, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was pretty close. Um, Party girl. Uh, what a good Elliot Smith record. Um, <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, either or. So good. Uh, get on it. Uh, anyway, moving on. Let's get some closure. <laughs> yeah.
I think that song rules. Yeah, they're they have good riffage going on. Oh, so good. Little the little noodly meadly parts are so great. So glad to By have the time it, back. it gets to the like dun, 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 just like it's such a cool vocal melody, a lot of interesting things going on. I love that yeah. chorus. This is one that's like just outside my top three, like in, in that top handful for sure. Um goes hard. Similar thematic territory to Lost Sea, uh possibly dealing with divorce or right. end of a long relationship at least. You know, looking back on mistakes on both sides of the re- relationship, maybe. But, you know, I, that idea of was I dancing on your toes or my own? Because if I was meant to be as if it came naturally when I could be free after 12 years, I could find closure. Like that's that's heavy stuff, <laughs> um, yeah. but sounds healthy, maybe like a healthy look back versus some of the bitterness and lost at sea, maybe. Some steps will change in time. Some things were always mine. I'm learning that I'm fine on my own. This is a lesson I'm trying to learn mm. as a divorced man mm-hmm. that uh, trying to find uh, he talks about, you're not a part of my sufficiency, like, mm. like trying to create one's own identity outside of a, a long marriage. And, yeah. you know, um, I mean, cause it sounds presumably if this is talking about Ted's situation, 12 years whether he was married for 12 years or the 12 mm-hmm. years is referencing something else you know um yeah i was also you know i was married for 13 and a half years yeah. approximately and uh and trying to figure that out like yeah it's these these i think this is also part of why i mean divorce on lost of sea resonated with me obviously mm-hmm. the other songs on this record are jumping out in bigger ways but yeah these the lyrics and the experiences that he's trying to convey um resonate and uh i i hope that 10 years on he's doing he's doing even better and i hope 10 years from now i'm also doing better yeah agreed to all that that makes a lot of sense that it would hit that much uh deeper for you and i I appreciate that a lot of these songs as we're saying are not the sort of um i don't know he's treating it with like a a a poeticism and a sort of maturity that feels a little different from some of the songs on the subject matter so i like this one a lot yeah yeah adeline was that yes i believe so I mean, I know he says it in the song. I just right. I think is, that's how he says it. Yeah, it's just. Life is hard. Sometimes it hurts, you know, but it doesn't have to be that bad. You're not supposed to want to end it, baby. Please believe these words that I'm telling you. Taking that 
What do you think of this song? I think this is, uh, you know how I was saying on Lost at Sea that it had this like overproduced quality, like they were trying to do a lot right while some of the songs were still boring like mm-hmm. this song finds that sweet spot of being chill yes and like laid back and melancholy and uh but with like cool textures thrown in yeah if they didn't if they didn't add some of those like vocal warbly right, distortion right. parts or like the the like like they didn't just be like hey what if we just like i don't know just did like another flange or something you know like a flanger or or chorus they like they're trying to do some interesting stuff they still got distortion on the guitars but it sounds cool yeah i think there's some interesting stuff happening a hundred percent i i agree and i really like this song um it's pretty something it's really pretty i think one thing that you said last week uh was totally right that lost at sea they kind of forgot about dynamics with a lot of the songs yeah. it's like 211 the whole time and this is a perfect example of knowing dynamics really well it's such a like it's such a satisfying build um and you know it starts out slow but as you said there's some interesting stuff going on but time but by the time they get to the chorus it's just like this like explosion of like oh that's satisfying and it feels like warm and mm-hmm. uh i just i really like i think the melody is really cool um it's this big emotional song but i think they pull it off here there's those cool guitar parts throughout i don't know it almost reminds me of sort of like radiohead instrumentally it's just like mm. very different for them um but but in keeping with their sort of like you know these songs that kind of go into interesting song structures as we talked about where they veer into minor chord progressions and i'm like oh that was a surprising turn and i really like it like it mm-hmm. really satisfied my ear uh that turn that they just took so i i think this one's fascinating um thematically basically kind of like pleading with someone uh or presumably in a relationship in with to like continue the relationship or maybe even more darkly to encourage them to not take their life i don't know like do you think it gets that dark he kind of says like you're we're not supposed to want to end our want to end our life or something like that right you're not supposed to want to end it baby yeah so i don't know I, I, maybe yeah. it's not that dark but it's certain it's some sort of plea for things to not be as dark as they are uh for this adeline so yeah the i mean the to your point how can i save you if you won't believe Right. Um, maybe meaning like not like believe in maybe uh, a divine sense, but believe in like herself, herself, or that people care about her. Yeah, or yeah. That right. she's loved, or that sort of thing. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship, no. but it's clearly somebody who is facing hard times that this person is trying to, you know, hang on to and and um, yeah, give them some some comfort um so i don't know i i really like it i don't know when it's when it on my first listen through i was a little bit like huh this is kind of slow one weird but then like, it really came to um be uh one of the ones that i liked a lot on the record so anyway i mean it i might even take it a step further in this in this uh conversation about um I mean, because he's already, you know, talking in the thousand yard stare. That song was about a, a somebody mm-hmm. who committed suicide, and um, he says, 
uh, I'm hanging on your every breath. I mean, this could be somebody who's like in a hospital situation mm, yeah. and like on life support or in a, yeah. like, just like waiting for them to recover and hanging on their yeah. breath, like every one of them hoping that they can wake up or something. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, death hangs heavily over this record, although sonically it doesn't feel that way necessarily. Um, but they're, you know, he's, they're going to some dark places here. Um, but I don't think it's like a last to see situation where it's like dark and therefore feels very heavy and moody. Like this feels a lot of interesting, heavy lyrics, but all these songs feel sort of different and, and interesting. So. Yep. Yep. Um, fallen. I know you probably think you have the right. It's human nature to conjecture wrong or right. But when an argument's unfriendly, it's a fight. And the truth is no longer out there. I guess I never thought it This is my number three. Okay. This is a cool song. So cool. And I like the the inclusion of the illegitimate non-carborundum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Did you look it up? Yeah. So this is um, the, uh, it is a mock Latin aphorism often translated to as don't let the bastards grind you down. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah. And I think this is, um, there's a, another Similar phrase, uh, noli te te bastardes carborundum, mm. uh, is what they used um, in the Handmaid's Tale. Got and it. he also brings back this phrase for follow your heart mm-hmm. when he's talking to his daughter. Right, right, right. He says, don't let the masses grind you down. Right, so right. He doesn't say bastards. I kind of wished he said bastards, but you know. <laughs> It's for his daughter. It's for his first kid. But um, yeah. Yeah. So. No, I I think the song rules. It's one that like, you know, the verse is there and I'm into it. And then they get to this pre-chorus part and I'm like, ooh, hold on a second. Minor chord progression. Yeah. And then that chorus, I just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. By the time they get to that, I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, welcome to the top three. I just like cannot resist the harmonies and the guitar part it, that that driving chorus just feels so satisfying uh 
I like the melody a lot. I think it takes some interesting turns. There's an energy. Uh, there's a solo that absolutely rules in yeah. the song. Yes, uh, correct. Should we get to that? Melt my face, bro. Yes. Ugh, man. Melt my goddamn face Oof. off. It could not, Open not be up in my the, top three. <laughs> Open up the pit. Whew. Rip off my arms. Melt my face. I'm just a puddle on the floor. Yeah. I Man, I love this song. Uh, yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I feel I feel confident about this top three, although there are many contenders on this record for me. Yeah, um, yeah we, as you were we saying, took, we took we always take. Sometimes we like have uh, different ideas about like what we take from a record. Everything mm-hmm. we take, like we both have our own experiences with a particular record and take away. Like I still think this song rules. Yeah, I I still think uh, the Insidious Lie rules, but yeah. you know. Um, you know, a record falls in your lap at a particular moment. Something might yeah. jump out at you at the time. But totally. would I be mad if Fallen were, was played at a Craig's Brothers show I'm over Climate You Couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist. Um, so good. As you're kind of alluding to, I think, sort of about something he's done, uh, you know, he's done wrong and being called out for it. Uh, the idea of kind of looking for a fight, looking for someone to blame um sort of publicly taking the fall i don't know that's what it seems to be to me he talks about transcendental crimes hey some of my favorite kind of crimes (laughs) i'm i don't know what a transcendental crime is but um there's there's some five dollar words on this on this album there are there are a few there are a few all right well john i think we need to get to special guest Mm. Um, but before we get to the special guest, should we listen to the aforementioned song that we'll be Let's discussing? All right. Let's hit uh, the song and then head into Jay's theology corner. All right. The problem of evil. Desperate men take desperate measures. You and I were never enemies, but our hearts held different treasures. You were fraught with rules you wouldn't break, but ideals have hefty prices. Some of us can stand beneath the weight in this world of
Well, John, back on the pod, I believe for the third time, yes. if I'm not mistaken, is my father, uh, Jay Phelan, for Jay's Theology Corner. Um, my dad is a author and theologian, scholar of New Testament, and you can read more of his works, um, uh, Essential Eschatology, Our Present and Future Hope, or his newest book, Separated Siblings and Evangelical Understanding of Jews and Judaism. You can purchase those wherever you get your theological books. I'm trying to not drive people to Amazon, you know, but uh, anyway, Dad, welcome back to Magnified Pod. pod. Yes. Uh, So this week we are tackling just a very light theological concept um, the problem of evil. On previous episodes, we, we've talked um, atonement theory, and then we talked eschatology and end times. So this time we're going to be talking about the problem of evil, as is sort of addressed in this aptly titled song, The Problem of Evil. Uh, Dad, how much, how much studying have you done in this? Because this is you have a PhD in philosophy, uh, but you know, a lot of your, uh, new Testament studying, uh, how much, how much work have you done in the, the philosophical arguments for the problem of evil or, uh, theodicy, however, however you want to discuss it? Well, interestingly enough, over the last few years, I've, I've thought about it quite a bit since I've been involved in Jewish Christian dialogue, uh, because one of the, most perplexing and painful events of the 20th century was the Shoah, the Holocaust, uh, the murder of 6 million Jews, uh, which raised uh, enormous questions uh, about the nature of evil, about the nature of God in the world, about the nature of of, uh, religious faith, uh, about secularism. I mean, it, uh, it was an event that uh, touched Western society and its way of thinking about itself philosophically, religiously in profound ways and continues to echo in profound ways. So I suppose my thinking over the last, oh, couple of decades on the issue of the problem of evil uh, has um, been tied up with the question uh, of the Holocaust or the Shoah and, how one understands that uh, from a cultural, philosophical, and uh, religious standpoint. Because most people recognize it it is one of the uh, massively evil events uh, of all time. Right. And perhaps we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves. uh, Would you define the problem of evil for people who maybe aren't super familiar with this this, uh, argument? All right. Well, let, let's start out, I think, by asking, what do we mean when we talk about evil anyway? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's one of the more difficult questions to answer. Uh, and I was thinking about it this afternoon. There are at, at least three different ways, and maybe many, many more, uh, that culturally, historically, people have asked, answered the question. Um, some people have said, well, there is no evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no such thing as good or evil. Remember uh, 
uh, Voldemort's words to Harry Potter, there is no good and evil, there is only power and those too weak to use it. Mm. Well, I mean, that was Voldemort, but that was Nietzsche before him mm. uh, and, and Hitler after him that uh, um, there, there is only power, there is only the will to power, there is only dominance, uh, there is only the strong uh, overwhelming the weak, there is only uh, the natural order of things, the survival of the fittest, so you have the kind of the naturalism that says, okay, uh, um, there is no such thing as good or evil. There's only what is. Um, and so that's one kind of problem of evil, right? To even um, ask whether there is such a thing in the first place. And philosophically, that conversation continues to go on. The second way of looking at, at evil, broadly speaking, is that evil is a violation of the holiness and love of a transcendent being. Uh, a God, uh, however that's conceived in whatever religious tradition, that there is a transcendent, even supernatural reality that defines for us what is good and what is evil. Now, now, let me say in both the case of there is no good and evil, and in this case as well, both of these have problems, both of these have instabilities. Um, if there is no good or evil, a society uh, tends to devour itself. Um, and if you say evil is defined by transcendent being a god or, or however one understands that, uh, which god and how revealed. Uh, the third way is that evil is a violation of some cultural or political norm, um, that uh, law or society um, or um, my particular culture, which may be different than your culture, defines what is good and what is evil. So in that case, it's a communal human decision. And that in itself is unstable, unstable, because of course, uh, societies change, cultures change, cultures run into each other. Um, so each one of these definitions of evil uh, suffers from its own instability. And um, each one of them uh, raises serious and enduring questions. Um, so um, when you begin to talk about the problem of evil, uh, you begin at the point which you have to ask yourself, what do I mean by evil in the first place? Um, now I'll, I'll stop there and see if you guys have any comments before I go on to talk a little bit more specifically about what people generally understand to be the problem of evil. But I thought it was helpful for us to at least lay out some terms at the beginning. Laying out definitions, laying out terms and defining terms is like the most helpful part of before starting any kind of debate or conversation, because otherwise you're just going to be talking past each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it, especially in this, in this song, you know, and I think this is, this gets into uh, a, a number of 
ways that somebody might make an argument for for the problem of evil um, relating to uh, like, oh, well, there's evil because there is there's sin and there's and there's evil because there is free will. You know, uh, Alvin Plantinga, you know, the that's one of, you know, the free will argument. But, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting that there is uh, there is a conversation in, in here about about sin and um and so i i i actually saw this just today that i want to share with you guys um i'm not sure uh dad if you're familiar with abraham piper who is john piper's son yep uh and and abraham piper actually lives in minneapolis um and quite notably very different from his dad in one might say so yes yes but so he posted this uh he has a a, a tiktok that he does um uh, pretty active stuff on but i saw this today and and he uh talks about was talking about sin and i wanted to just play this and to give a little bit of context about different definitions and different understandings of what terms mean. Oh, hey, there's no such thing as sin. I tweeted this a couple days ago and I knew people would disagree. I mean, what's Twitter for if not poking the bear? But what surprised me is that some people interpreted me to mean that there's no such thing as doing wrong or evil. One person was like, someone steal his wallet. <laughs> like, because I don't believe in sin, I think stealing is okay. To me, sin and evil are very different. A fairly common understanding of the word sin is that it's a breaking of the divine law, going against God. I don't believe that there is a divine law in the way that you would typically expect someone to interpret that phrase. So I don't think there's sin. It's not a hot take. It's pretty mundane, actually. It has nothing to do with evil. What makes me uncomfortable is equating evil and sin because it takes the horrendous things that we do to each other and it makes them about God and not about making things right with fellow humans. Or the people who disagreed with me have a different definition of sin because, you know, words can mean multiple things. And perhaps they use sin to mean mistreating others. In which case, oh, hey, there's such a thing as sin. So I thought that that is interesting so like if we're talking these multiple terms maybe some people think sin and evil are the same thing um but or are maybe like wrapped up together in in this in this issue i i just I, do you have thoughts on on that or his 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 takes on these on those those concepts or his definition of sin being a breaking of the divine law that's one definition of sin, certainly. Sure. Uh, and um, it could be a breaking of a divine law. It could be acting in ways that are contrary to the good. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I find his definition of sin to be too narrow. Um, and uh, I, I would want to broaden it a bit um, because he turns around and says um, that we do horrendous things to each other. We uh, damage and oppress and hurt each other. Um, and, um, you know, uh, a rose by any other name will smell as sweet. So I, I'm not sure that saying it's not a sin, but it's, it's wrong is that helpful a distinction. Uh, but I, I know what he's talking about. If you're not a theist, then there can't be any divine law to break. Right. Uh, 
but um, um, if you are, then uh, divine law is one of the components, perhaps. But I I tend to to think more of violation of holiness or love rather than simply violation of law. Mm. Uh, but this may be a, a longer conversation. To me, the problem of evil then is in is in three parts, uh, which which really follows on on from this. Uh, source where does it come from um and in different and these different traditions i've talked about have different ways of answering the question second reason why does it exist and third engagement what do we do about it mm-hmm. and, and let me say that the the uh evil is a problem for everybody right i mean it's not just a problem for theists it's a problem for every human being as to say, what do we do about the oppressive and destructive and hateful forces? Uh, every one of us has to look at that and, and ask ourselves, what do we do about the evil within ourselves, let alone the evil that uh, we see around us? Uh, and certainly this doesn't take much these days to see the destructive and oppressive forces that are that are you know uh, making life difficult for for many people around the uh, around the globe. Well, let me let me quickly uh, source wise, people will say, well, it's um, evil is located in human frailty and human mm-hmm. egoism, um, and um, human desire to have power power over or control. Now, you, you can think about this from a psychological, sociological standpoint, a religious standpoint. Um, the will to power is something which is present in human beings, and the evil is a result of that, whether you're looking at it uh, theologically or uh, simply looking at it uh, anthropologically. Uh, then there is dualism that, and this is very common throughout history, that there are two warring forces within the universe. There is, um, say, say God and the devil, or the divine and the demonic, uh, um, the uh, sons of light and the sons of darkness. Uh, Many, many traditions see um, evil located uh, within, you know, there's not only transcendent good, there's a transcendent evil. Uh, and and uh, human beings are engaged uh, uh, in, in this battle to, uh, to join the forces of transcendent good against the forces of transcendent evil. Um, and within uh, Christianity, Judaism, there's obviously some of that, but classically, both Christianity and Judaism and Islam, for that matter, have uh, been opposed to a strictly dualistic understanding of things. You know that that uh, the devil and in Christian understanding is not another god; it's not someone equal to God. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's plenty of this kind of dualistic thinking within it. Um, some people would say the source uh, is simply in ignorance. Um, people require more education, more a civilization, more development, and so forth. Um, 
So you, you can locate it in some transcendent realm, you can locate it within the frailties of the human person, or you can locate it in the simply lack of understanding that we have as, as people. And I think th those two things are, are different, uh, human frailty and lack of understanding. Or you can locate it a bit in all three of those things. And I think we can all make a case where sometimes it's the individual failings of human beings, but sometimes it's when within a corrupt system in which the individuals seem to be somehow enthralled to some kind of larger reality that, that they can't escape, what Paul calls in, in the New Testament, the powers and authorities, sounding somewhat dualistic, uh, but uh, not dualistic in the classical sense. That's the way that they, they ask the question of, of source. Well, let, let me run through a couple of these others and then we can talk about it. You know, within this, why does it exist? It exists in some, in some understanding simply because uh, humans are frail uh, or it exists because there is uh, some animus in the world that uh, attempts to undermine uh, human health and survival or it exists uh, uh, simply because that's the nature of uh, uh, reality uh, that people because of their ego needs hurt each other. A sub-question then in the why does it exist is why does God permit it? And this is, Andrew, yeah. John, what you mean by the sort of classic question of the problem of evil. Mm -hmm. Why is this permitted? You um, mentioned, Andrew, the, the planning, planning a uh, answer of freedom and, and uh, evil exists because God gives human beings freedom. Uh, and um, I'll come back to that in, in a minute because I think there's a certain amount of truth to that, but it's, it's not certainly not complete. One of the Jewish ways of looking at this is the Jews talk about um, the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Haito, um, uh, the, the evil impulse and the good impulse, and this comes from, from Genesis. Um, and the rabbis argued that uh, the Yetzer Hara um, was um, necessary. They said nobody would, would marry and have children. Nobody would uh, um, start a business or build a house. Nobody would do anything were it not for the Yetzer Hara. And, what, and, and in that sense, they mean that the evil impulse is not necessarily evil in the way that we think about it. It is what the Greeks would call eros or desire. And, and without that desire, without uh, uh, the, uh, the human ego, um, uh, nothing would, would, uh, would occur. Um, none of the things that uh, we find pleasurable or enjoyable or communally fulfilling would occur. These, the, the Yetzer Hara, this, the evil impulse, uh, the, you know, the, the rabbi say it, it, it's necessary uh, for life itself to go on. Uh, but human desire, 
they would argue, and the New Testament argue, uh, can be disordered and destructive. So uh, desire, eros, is something that in the, in, in the biblical, biblical context is a good thing. But eros, you know, can also be um, harmful and, and destructive. Gerald May, this is, uh, Gerald May was a, a psychologist and thinker, uh, died back in the 90s, I think. Um, but he, in one of his books, had a really, an argument that I've, I found fascinating. And um, he uh, was talking about why was it, to get back to the question of freedom, that God granted us freedom? Uh, why was it that God didn't make his presence known? Why was it that God did not reveal himself obviously to the world? Uh, and he, um, it's, in, it's in his book, Addiction and Grace, which is a great book. And he says that if the divine goodness was revealed in all of its glory, we would addict ourselves to it, attach ourselves to it, hmm. uh, be overwhelmed by it. Uh, and May said that what God wants uh, is not addiction, but a relationship, but love. Um, and so, he argues, God pursue, pursues us. We, in our variety of ways, pursue God. Um, none of these explanations are satisfactory. Hmm. And I don't think any of them ever will be. Uh, none of the explanations of the source of evil are satisfactory. And I think all of us in whatever our philosophical, theological position have problems with, with it and, and struggle to understand um, both the natural, naturalistic, the, the theological and the cultural. We all have the same, not the same, but different problems with something that seems so intractable. Finally, uh, what are we gonna do about it? Um, and again, I, I find compelling what the Jews have said, um, that God has empowered us as his creatures uh, to engage the world for the sake of righteousness and holiness and peace and goodness. Uh, we are the ones that are responsible. People who are looking, Christian people, whatever kind of people, looking for some sort of divine intervention to change the nature of the world and engage evil, we have been given the power to engage in what the Jews call the tikkun olam, the, the, the healing of the world. Uh, and for me, uh, it is God's spirit um, that is part of this, from my Christian theistic standpoint, God working within, with human beings uh, to work toward um, the healing of the world uh, that I feel myself called to. And, you know, can I give you chapter and verse and, and, and uh, defend that? Well, not very easily, but also I can't defend my conviction that there is love at the center of the universe. And that's what I want to live toward.
Mm. And in, in the face of that evil, uh, you know, that's how I want to confront it. Um, so anyway, uh, maybe a little bit long, but I wanted to kind of get through uh, the various aspects of it and, and uh, say, you know, there are no final answers to this, but I would rather for myself work toward that love at the center of the universe um, as a part of a healing of the world and its brokenness. Right. Whether I'm, whether theistically or not, but for me, it's, it's working alongside of God in, in this act of healing. And one doesn't need to be a theist uh, to partner with you in that. And absolutely not. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, I join you in, in that goal. Yeah. I think that's all really helpful context. Uh, thanks Jay. But I wondered, you know, you kind of already answered this, but in listening to the song, um, I saw something by, uh, the lyricist and singer of the song who said that he called it a lamentation about how there is no satisfying explanation for sin and evil, you know, kind of an, I can't give you the answers you're looking for kind of song. And I was going to ask if you found that to be a satisfying <laughs> theological position. Um, but it sounds like you affirm that as just being enough of saying, I don't have a good answer for you. And that, that can be enough. Do you think that's enough to sort of, <laughs> is that a solid enough argument, I guess? Well, I mean, what I've tried to do is talk around the problem in a way that hopefully sets it in a context that all of us can see where we struggle with the, with the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I th think certain simplistic answers appeal to people in the midst of the chaos of the world uh, because if they don't have the simplistic answer that they want uh, then it seems they, they don't have any control um, you know the idea that that everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. uh, you know there's a, a book recently written uh, by Kate Bowler from Duke everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved. Right. You know, there are, there are people who want God to be responsible for everything so that they can feel that the world is, is under control in some way. And, and that, um, you know, uh, nothing is arbitrary or, uh, but and I, I think that the evidence for that, um, is rather slight in the sense that, uh, you know, well, more than that, that is problematic. If God is in control of everything, uh, then we have a lot bigger problems. Uh, I mean, that's the sort of the, the crux of the, you know, Hume argument, you know, if you, if you start, picking apart these different areas then you're just like how quickly your definition of god and all of it falls apart 
Well, yeah. that's the kind of thing that that Piper is reacting against because that's that's the nature of his father's theology, right? That, that strict Calvinist theology. But years ago, I wrote a column for uh, uh, Denominational Magazine where I argued that uh, blaming God for every bad thing that happens <laughs> in the world, or saying that God is responsible, is a is a, a violation, a theological violation and one that undermines human responsibility. And I had a woman call me very upset because her, her husband had died at a young age in a, in a terrible accident. And in a weird way, it was comforting for her to think that God had taken him. Mm. You know, it, it meant that there was some predictability or some reason in the world. And, and the fact that I was saying, no, we we can't simply say every time somebody dies, it was, you know, God took them. Uh, that's a category error. Um, but but that was distressing to her because it it meant that um, maybe it could have been otherwise, right? Right. Maybe uh, uh, if he didn't, if if the guy didn't run the stop sign, or if her husband had left five minutes earlier, whatever. Right. Um, as that. Um, that issue, um, you know, my challenging that sort of uh, Calvinistic, extra Calvinist understanding of of God being the author of every act was was difficult for her to to take. I understand that, and I, you know, uh, you don't want you know, philosophical reasoning when you're grieving, you know. Right. But um, it, in a weird way, sometimes. You know, it's like you hear people say, when your number's up, it's up, as if, you know, there's some kind of great calendar in the sky that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the great, the great New York deli in the sky where, you know, you're, it's like, okay, you get your, get your, your roast beef sandwich here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's interesting, Dad, that you, you mention that because this same band, this same songwriter wrote a song on the first album talking about Christians giving easy answers to complicated stuff in life and how mm-hmm. it's like he, he, he essentially opened this album talking about like how you have uh, like a Disneyland religion, like everything is, you know, it's great. There are all these answers, but like, and trying to appease people when when you're suffering with like that kind of those kinds of uh, 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 platitudes that mean absolutely nothing, and which is why we really appreciate this band because they're trying to wrestle with some of this stuff in in very sincere ways while also calling out uh, the the ways in which it's. You, you try and paint over the difficult stuff with the Sunday school answers of because Jesus. And it's like, that's, that's it. At, do you reach a point in life where that ceases to where a lot of people that's that kind of ceases to be a satisfying answer or everything happens for a reason, like you were saying, or God has a plan for this or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think, I think for, uh, for hard times that we're living in right now, that's 
it's also a way of thinking that drives people to like that conspiracy theory rabbit hole of like, well, I need to make sense of what what's happening and the people that provide the answers, you know, that's that depending on who it is, it can be kind of a scary thing. And, you know, it's one of the first, one of the first things that you, one of the very early conversations that you and I had when I told you, you know, about my, my, de- my deconversion process, you talked to me about living into the questions, you know, that, that not everything is, not everything is about having an answer and that you can live like in the questions and in the uncertainty. And that is also fine. And I think what, uh, Ted, this, who wrote this song, um, and, uh, a lot of these other songs is what there is, is pushing back on some of this, like these, the answers he's pushing back with, uh, and being like, well, there's still, there are lots of questions and it's okay to struggle in the midst of them. And, and I think that's a, that's a lesson that you have, you have taught me that I'm, uh, I still, I still think about and I, and I still appreciate it. And I hope, I hope everybody who listens to this can, can appreciate that way of, way of approaching uncertainty. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Agreed. Uh, thank you as always for your time, Jay. Hey, no, I'm glad to do it. Enjoy the rest of the show. Right, Take care. Take care. Yeah. Talk Bye. to you later. So what do you what do you think about what do you think about the song? I think it rules. I'm really into this one. Um very cool opening riff, as you mentioned. Really nice build up in the verse. Um I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um you know thematically as we discuss with your dad i i appreciate the idea of sort of this is the question for a lot of people right like right the thing that uh prevents a lot of people from accepting the idea of a god uh, a deity if there's a loving god how can that god let these things I happen right yeah i think specifically the issue is a loving God, I think, right. you know, and, and like uh, an indifferent God or a, a creative God that created the world, but has no power. I mean, that, that's, a, that's part of the question. But if you're, if your argument is that God is love, then this is, this is the root of, of some of that anxiety in that question. Definitely. And it's, We've talked about evil uh, at some point during the five iron season, I believe. Um, maybe my evil plan to save the world. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's to me enough to be like, there's no good answer here. I can't give you the answers you're looking for. I mean, I think to your dad's point, if you can point toward love, if the answer is love, I think that is satisfying as well. And always like a good thing to be able to point to. Um, but for me, I just admire the, 
the ability to say, I recognize this is a big question. I'm not here to give you easy answers. Um, so I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about how he presents this stuff in the song? Kind of, again, to some of the stuff that my dad was talking about, the back and forth and culpability, human beings are desperate creatures, kind of talking about the, the dualism that my dad was talking about mm-hmm. the, the one who's who's to blame who's at fault and one of the things that we didn't talk about that my dad has talked about in previous jcology corners is uh, the the concept of a scapegoat and mm-hmm. who who are we blaming and it's so much easier when you to have an answer when you have somebody that you can point the finger at right. if it's god that's letting things happen or if it's the devil or if right, it's the right. jews or whatever it is you can uh get away with any sort of um any sort of transcendental crimes if you will um <laughs> yes not, not to make light of this any of this but right, you, know, right. you know what i mean that it's it's a complex issue that i think i wrestled with uh a lot as mm-hmm. i was going through my deconstruction trying to make sense of what i believed and what i thought about what I thought about the world and that Ted doesn't land on. I'm, I don't, I'm assuming this because we don't have any writing credits specifically. I, I guess right. I'm just assuming this just does feel very, I think Ted. there's a lot of Ted here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Ted here. Uh, I do like the, the paradox of sin. I can't resolve the pair, the problem of mm-hmm. evil. I can't provide mm. the antidote to suffering. I can't explain um, an explanation for the flaw of the problem of evil. Um, it's the, this is, this is good stuff for, to me. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I I don't think that it's, he's not being like, but I trust in Jesus anyway. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't fall back on that. Yeah. No, he leaves it there as a hanging. Yeah. He leaves question. It's, it's leaning, living into the questions, the the discomfort of it. And, and sometimes asking a question is, can be in some in some circles in the church it's like it's it's a rebellious act to just to ask the question or even say i don't know absolutely i I think that's a that suggests to me a firm foundation in a theology that can withstand some questioning and some prodding and they've always been a band that's done that and i appreciate about them that you, you don't get pat answers from this band and you can't write christian songs without dealing with this question at some point um so and they're just not very good <laughs> right you, you can't do it um in an, in an authentic way without ever Fact. wrestling with this Fact. um so yeah i mean i remember when we had our conversation um with jake doctor and crispin mayfield and joel harrison that jake said this idea that the scene a lot of aspects of the scene was focused on you don't want to be of this world uh but he was like but we are in the world and so what do you do with that and like where we landed in in the conversation with your dad is is similar like regardless christians may think that it's our job to bring love into the world that it's on us um those of any belief background may also believe that that's what we need to do in this world so we can all agree we have a responsibility as humans to be loving to our other humans and so that to me is a satisfying answer 
in some degree to the problem of evil that like regardless of of how you theologically think about it or what comes after this life or what doesn't we're here now we're in this world and so what do we do with that problem um i mean so anyway yeah yeah i i think i think he talks about the antidote uh to suffering Mm. i think one antidote is love yeah i think another one is kindness and and empathy and uh, trying to do our best to alleviate suffering in all the individual ways that we can Mm -hmm. you know we're all not going to be able to alleviate grand suffering on a large scale but like the the kindnesses that we can do in our daily lives i think can help yeah so i mean it's not it's not a giant antidote for the whole world but it's a it can be a local antidote in your own your own ecosystem whether it's your family or your community or whatever and you know love that's as i said to my dad i we don't need to both be theists to Mm -hmm. root root it all in love yeah absolutely and right now more than ever (laughs) in my life at least it feels so easy to be overwhelmed by yes so many of the problems and suffering whether you want to call it evil or not um yes so to to remember to not be so overwhelmed that we that we can't do kindnesses for each other in ways that can't necessarily solve those big problems um anyway yeah yeah and and also compassion fatigue is is a thing you know and trying to fight against that but it's like you know, as I had mentioned earlier in this episode, just this feeling of this being at Walgreens and feeling the swelling up of like, mm-hmm. what took you so long? <laughs> like when, <laughs> right. when at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ex- experiencing like this great, these people are doing this, but then it's just like, yep. because I'm just so overwhelmed and constantly bombarded with these, these stories of like needless suffering yeah. Like we don't totally. need, we don't need this. Like we actually have real antidotes right, to right. some of these, like not a metaphorical one, you know? Right. Right. And so it's, it's tough. And I think I'm never, I'm never going to try and portray myself as some sort of like, uh, I'm, I'm also a work in progress. I, mm-hmm. I think I've always tried to be authentic about like my struggles and like, this mm-hmm. is, this is an area that I'm struggling with, but I, I, yeah. I know I have my aim of what it means to, to love and reduce suffering in the world. And I'm going to just do my best to keep working in that direction. Yeah. I think regardless of someone's belief system, if somebody's um, too sure about having the answers to things that's worth being suspicious about, uh, that we can one hundo. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to <laughs> the ironic blessing. I, I just want to play a little bit of, uh, the end of the problem of evil, because yeah. I think this, it transitions, uh, yeah, it's cool. Seamlessly into, yeah. uh, to the last song.
Masonic blessing. That's I I like this song. I yeah. I think it's a nice cool down. It's a good album closer. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating one. It's it's kind of boring. <laughs> um but I like the lyrics and I like it as a place to end on. And like we were saying um with the problem of evil of sort of like letting those questions hang in the air. I mean, this is the repeated chorus here is peace on earth, peace on earth. Is it more than mere hope is worth? Um, you know, is it foolishness to hope for peace on earth? So I can appreciate that question and that longing. I think it's sort of an admiral, admirable place to, to end things. Um, but some of these lyrics, I don't know. I mean, so it, it opens with the ironic blessing, the, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you, Lord makes face shine upon you in Hebrew and in English. Um, and that's gives context to the song, but like the lyrics, I don't know. There's some stuff I can get on board with some stuff. I don't know about like the part about um, this is kind of what we were talking about. That he's like, I won't be persuaded that it's more than I can hope for. And I won't look away because it's too much to ignore all this indiscriminate hatred in the name of the rejected might be more than I can change, but I vow to never accept it. That's kind of just what we're talking about. Like you may not be able to alleviate all the suffering and all the hatred, but you, you don't have that doesn't mean you have to accept it as being okay you can do something about it um but then the next verse is how will they know you if they won't choose to open their mind how will they see you if they won't choose to open their eyes i'm like eh. <laughs> you know i don't know how, how does that read to you is he pulling this uh from scripture like this this sort of these contextualized words like i don't know because it, it just seems like I don't know. I I don't know. I can't, I can't be first. That's, that's an uncertain reading for me. Sure. I mean, the idea of, um, you know, helping people find 
ears to hear and eyes to see is certainly in the new testament but like i don't know it, it just strikes me as a little bit like these dummies won't won't listen to me <laughs> what am i going to do about them you know what i mean like it's yeah. not quite that harsh but it feels a little bit like i mean if i can't get them to open their mind uh, then they're never going to know you and it's like well i thought we were just saying like <laughs> we're not going we're not going to uh i don't know yeah. I liked kind of where he left it with the question of like, yeah, I feel overwhelmed by this, but I'll have to do something about it. And then move straight into like, but if they can't do anything about it, then what am I going to do? God, like, I don't know. Anyway, I do think it's really interesting and sort of contemplative. And I like that it closes in sort of quieter. Yeah. Moody questioning space. And um, just peace on earth, bro. Yeah. Nothing wrong with ending there. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. Uh, I don't need to hear it live, though. I'd rather hear uh, <laughs> some shreddy, melting my face. Here's riffs some, uh, off here's some fallen. Yeah. Um, some freedom. Some freedom, perhaps. Uh, that was the Insidious Lie. Yeah. Lots to unpack there. Lots to unpack. Yes. Yes. Um, good discussion. Uh, let us know what you think. Very curious to hear uh, folks' thoughts on this record. I have a pretty decent sense of what people think about the first two, but haven't heard much about uh people's thoughts on this one so let us know at magnified pod on instagram facebook and twitter subscribe if you haven't already and give us a rating or review we will read your review on the pod email us at magnifiedpod.gmail.com you can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 magpod support us at the patreon patreon.com slash magnified pod and you can pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com Thanks to Dr. Jay Phelan for guesting on the show today. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason at Original Vinyl. And thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for their for our artwork. Somebody's <laughs> artwork. Uh, well, <laughs> our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll discuss Craig's Brothers Epidemic and Devils in the Details. Freedom! Yeah. What a burner. So good, man. So good. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.